All right, we start our first session tonight, so I just want us to say a word of prayer and get right into it. Father, we thank you for tonight as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will be a blessing to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you look at the bulletin, you will see the, the, the topic I'm speaking tonight on. I'm speaking on the reality of Christ. You know, one of the most polarizing figures in the whole world is Jesus Christ. And why do I say polarizing? I say polarizing because he somehow has become a borderline between fact or fiction. And that's why he's polarizing. You know, his divinity is being doubted. You know, Christ is the Son of God. When you read the book of John, the book of John explicitly lets us know that Christ is God. That is doubted. His person is suspect. And why do I say that? There are some people who don't even believe that Christ even existed personally on this earth, carried a human body, was here for 33 years, and served the purpose of dying, which was the basis of our redemption. That is suspect. His teachings are being doubted. Some even doubt the authenticity of God's word. That was it something that was truly documented, or was it just a fixment of man's imagination? His crucifixion and death are in question. You know, about some few weeks ago, probably six weeks ago, we did celebrate Easter, and some believe in it. Some too doubt that this is a pie in the sky thing. Did he truly experience crucifixion? Did he truly die? Was he buried? And did he resurrect? Which brings me to my next point. Some people see the resurrection as a hoax. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul battled that. And he proved through scriptures that the resurrection is an established truth. And it holds eternal ramifications for us. Christ resurrected so that all of us who are believers, who have received Christ as our Lord and best our Savior, will also partake of the resurrection. I have come to love 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because when you read it, it gives you so much hope about what real life is. And that is after the end of this age. Some see him as a man, others a good teacher or a prophet. But the reality is Jesus is more than that. He is the Son of God, and he is God. So in our session tonight, we want to have a scriptural position on the divinity of Christ. Now, I believe there are many, many reasons why um, the world seemed to see Christ as a paradox. And one of the many, many reasons, if we should delve into the reasons, it, 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 they are so lim unlimited that time will be against us. But I believe one of the reasons is that Christians have not come to a place where we have really, truly experienced Christ. It's only when the believer has come to a place of truly experiencing Christ that he can make Christ known to the world. You know, so the average believer plays church 
And then when the questions, especially the hard questions on Christ's divinity, his existence, hits their face, they now wake up to smell the coffee. But it will be too late. I, I believe that we who call ourselves Christians have to come to a place where we experience Christ in his fullness, in his richness. And when we have that experience, it will be very easy to translate the message of the gospel to cynics, skeptics, and unbelievers. So I really want to provoke all of us today that where is your relationship with Christ? Where is it at? Today, after you hear this message, decide that I'm going to go deeper into the courts of the Lord and I'm going to take Christ serious and live for him. But you can't live for Christ if you don't know who Christ is. Amen. So with that, I want us to go into our text for tonight in John chapter 5, verse 31 to 47. The central theme of Christianity is Christ, and that's why this message is so important. If you want to understand Christianity, you have to understand the center, the crux that holds everything together, which is Christ. If you can't understand and make meaning of who Christ is in your life, Christianity will be very futile. It will be a futile experience. John chapter 5, verse 31 to 47. John is in the New Testament. John chapter 5, verse 31 to 47. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he bears of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man. But I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me, You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And and these are they which testify of me. Verse 40. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another, and do not seek that another comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you will believe me. For he wrote about me, but if you, not, if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? You know, when I read this scripture, there is only one word that comes into my mind. 
and that's verity when we talk about verity we are just talking about something that's true something that's real and that's where you get the word verify or verified i believe most of us here are familiar with social media or some even have social media accounts and one of the common words thrown there is verified and what is a verified account a very a verified account simply means that the image bearer is the exact representation of the name he possesses and that's why there is a blue check mark to it and whenever you go on any social media handle either twitter facebook ig at least these are the popular three ones amongst many more that blue check mark is able to distinguish between a fake account and a genuine account and a verified check mark is normally used for public figures celebrities and notable people because that's how you'll be able because their name is of such um, importance that it can be used for cash and that's the reason why there are many duplicate pages of such people so the word verified there simply means that i am the real one that's why sometimes if you go on ig most of these people their handles i am the real i am the real the th the john whatever because they want to establish that fact that i am real verified there is verity now may i say this jesus was also verified and today when we look through this scripture we will see certain witnesses that made him stand out to be real and true jesus is not a myth you know sometimes we see th- some things as myth you know on this like flying horse pegasus it's a it's borderline between fact or fiction we don't know whether they existed or it's a figment of man's imagination dinosaurs we see them as borderline between fact or fiction we don't know whether they do exist or they didn't well some have the bones in the museum to prove that dinosaurs exist but still there is a lot of debate about it but you can't put jesus in that class you can't compare him with pegasus the flying horse or medusa the goddess with many heads that when you look at you will turn into a statue you see those things we are not sure is it is it fact or is it fiction superman someone who can fly is it a plane is it a bird no it's superman we don't know whether it's fact or it's fiction you know you, you can't put jesus in that class because there are certain things that verifies him that he's real and he's true and if you're a christian this should be consolation to you and this should give you oomph to really serve god how do you establish a truth number one you establish a truth by having witnesses even in the court of law to establish a case you will need witnesses no matter how good your case may be no matter how oratorial your lawyer or attorney may be if you don't have witness the case has no legs so you build a case on witness you build a case on evidence and even in the bible if you want to establish a doctrinal truth if you want to establish anything concerning the bible the bible lets us know in second corinthians 13 verse 1 that by the mouth of two or three witnesses everywhere shall be established so let's say you want to establish a doctrine that god is love 
you have to look in the Bible where you have more than three evidences to finally state a claim that God is indeed love. Do you all understand? So whenever it comes to establishing a truth, especially when it comes to the Bible, you will have to look at two or more evidences or two or more witnesses. Because the Bible says that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, everywhere shall be established. So one of the ways we establish truth is by having a collective group of witnesses. Amen. So the deity and divinity of Jesus as the Son of God cannot be denied because of the number of witnesses throughout the Bible. And the text that we just read proves some of the witnesses that attest to the fact that Jesus is not just the Son of Man, not just a Son of Mary, not just a good man, not just a prophet, but Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God, and Jesus is our Savior and Lord. You see, it's not just all right to just say, I believe in Jesus as the Savior and the Lord, which is good. But sometimes you have to come to a place where you know the reason why Jesus is your Lord and your Savior. Because out of that, you are able to serve the Lord with conviction. And that's why the Bible says in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, that those who know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. That word know them means they know God by experience. You see, when you know God, you have the reason. There is a reason why you will serve God and live for him. Amen. So, in this scripture that we just read, it unmistakably gives us more than enough witnesses to verify the divinity of Christ. So, there is a blue check mark which shows that Christ is indeed real. Now, the first witness, you will see it in verse 33 to verse 35. And that was of John. John bore witness of Christ. That's the first evidence. What makes Christ the Son of God? What makes him stand out from all religious figures of the world? John bore witness, and that's John the Baptist. And when you read John chapter 1, verse 6 to 13, verse 15 and verses 19 to 35 you will see john bearing witness in in these passages of scripture john called jesus the light there are many lights but jesus is the light he acknowledged that he was before him you know earthly speaking john was older than jesus six months right so when when elizabeth that's john's mother was in the sixth month of her conception that was when mary the mother of jesus the earthly mother of jesus took seed so john is older than jesus six months but when john saw jesus he didn't know jesus after the flesh he said that this man is before me and why was he able to say that he was able to say that by the spirit he didn't just look at him in his earthly visage he saw him as the glory of the father who has come to reveal god to us and that is why john was able to say confidently that this man is before me he didn't just acknowledge him as he is the light 
he also acknowledged them as he is the one who is before me he existed before time and he has come to reveal god the father to me so he acknowledged that in that same book of john he called him not a prophet he called them the prophet he saw him as the christ you know christ is not necessarily a name christ is a, a designation it's a title it means the anointed one so whenever you say jesus christ what you are saying is jesus the anointed one so he saw him as the anointed one and then he called him the holy spirit baptizer on Sunday, on the Christian calendar, we celebrated something called Pentecost. And that is a celebration of Jesus' ministry as the Holy Spirit baptizer. And then John in John chapter 1 called Jesus the Lamp of God. He was the Lamp of God that was slain before the foundation of the world that we will experience redemption. So Jesus said that, John has bore witness of me. And Jesus said something interesting. I don't need man to testify of me, but it needs to be so, so that you can be saved. So that it will stand as evidence. So John is the first witness in our scripture passage that bore witness to the divinity and the deity of Christ. When I talk about divinity, what do I mean? Jesus is God. Jesus is the son of God. When I talk about deity, what do I mean? He is in the God class with God. That's what I mean by divinity and deity. Amen. Now, the second witness is in verse 36. And Jesus says that, I will give you something greater than John's witness. And what was that? His works. So Jesus talked about his works. So, it wasn't just John's witness that attested to the fact that Jesus is Lord. His works, what Jesus did, also attested to the fact that Jesus is Lord. And when you read Isaiah, Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet. He prophesied about who Jesus was going to do, and he spoke about his works. He says that this Messiah, when he comes, he will preach good tidings to the poor. That's an evangelist. I've been doing a series in the church called His Church, The Church, and I talk about the evangelist. And his job is to bring good tidings or good news to the poor. Isaiah said that he will heal the brokenhearted. So that is Jesus' works. And when Jesus was on this earth for 33 years, and when he started ministry at the age of 30, 233, that was three years of ministry, he healed the brokenhearted. He said to proclaim liberty to the captives, and that was to deliver us from the captivity of sin. Not just um, physical captivity, but spiritual captivity. That has to do with we have freedom and we have ransom. And the Bible lets us know that he came to open the prison to those who were bound and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And what does it mean to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord? It simply means to declare you are highly favored. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6. And the Bible says that we have been accepted in the beloved. That's what it means by we are highly favored. And when Jesus came in Luke chapter 4, when he preached his first sermon, he talked about his works. And he quoted Isaiah that I came to preach the gospel to the poor, 
to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, and, and, and those who are oppressed, I will give them liberty, and I have come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, that you are accepted and highly beloved in the Lord. And why is Jesus confidently able to say that? Because when Jesus died, he has satisfied the wrath of God by being the penalty of the humanity of sin, that when we receive Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, of a truth we can say we are accepted in the beloved. Jesus' works. So it's not just John's witness, but his works attest that he is God. And one time, John asked the question, that should we wait for the Messiah? Or is he really the one? Because John was in prison. And Jesus said something powerful. He said, if John doesn't believe me, tell him about my works. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the gospel is preached to the poor. Jesus' works testify of him that he is God. That's his divinity. And he said, this is a greater witness than John. The third witness we see in verse 37, and that's God the Father. God the Father bears record of Jesus as the Son of God. And may I read the scripture? John chapter 1, verse 32 to 34. John chapter 1, verse 32 to 34. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So this was John the Baptist talking, and it was on record. When he was baptizing, because that was John's ministry, his ministry was to baptize. And why did he baptize? He baptized people unto repentance. He preached the gospel, and he baptized people unto repentance. And the Bible lets us know that when it came to Jesus, he saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. And then he heard that this is the one I have testified that is the Son of God. And how did John, what, what, what made John hear that? He had God the Father testifying of who Christ is. And when you read the same scripture in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, the Bible lets us know that when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River and when he came out of the water, there was a voice that sounded from heaven by God the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So God the Father also testified to the divinity of who Jesus is. And then when you read Matthew chapter 17, six days before Jesus died, he experienced what was called the Mount of, uh, um, the, at, at the Mount of Transfiguration. And what's the word transfiguration? It just means transformation. You are transformed. And the Bible lets us know that when Jesus went up with his disciples, that was Peter, James, and John, 
he changed. He became white. His face shone like the sun. His clothes were glistening white. And the disciples were afraid. And then the Bible lets us know that God spoke. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So God the Father publicly attestified to who Jesus Christ was. And that's why when we read Philippians chapter 2, this year we've read Philippians chapter 2 a lot. The Bible says, At the mention of the name Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Why? Because God the Father publicly testified of him. And the Bible lets us know that God has given him a name that is above every other name. God the Father testified of Jesus that he is the Son of God. He is the beloved Son of God. So I'm here to announce to you that Christ operates on three powerful witnesses. On the witness of John, that he is the light. On the witness that he is the prophet and the lamp of God. He also operates on the witness of his works. All that he did, the healings, the miracles, dying on the cross and resurrecting from the dead, which symbolizes our redemption and we partaking of the future resurrection at the end of this age. His works give credence to him that he is truly divine. And thirdly, we have come to learn through this passage of scripture that God the Father himself testified on record that Jesus is the Son of God and he is in the God class. The last witness we see here is in verse 39 to 40. It talks about the scriptures. So four things testify of Jesus. John, his works, God the Father, and then lastly, the scriptures. What is the Bible about? The Bible is not about David. David is in the Bible. The Bible is not about Daniel. Daniel is in the Bible. The Bible is not about Solomon. Solomon is in the Bible. The Bible points to only one central figure who has become the theme, the running theme of the Bible, and that's Jesus. And before Jesus even talked about this, in the Old Testament, between Genesis to Malachi, which makes up the Old Testament, there were 300 prophecies on Jesus, and all of them were fulfilled. The scriptures testify that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus says something to the Pharisees, You read the scriptures thinking that you will get eternal life. But these scriptures, they testify of me. Scriptures don't give eternal life. Jesus is the one that gives eternal life. But after you have received eternal life, and when you take the Bible, either hardware or software, it now begins to make sense to you and it becomes food on which you grow. But reading the Bible without Jesus without acknowledging who he is, it doesn't give eternal life. And that was the problem of the religious leaders. They were religious, they were teachers of the law, but they refused to talk about Jesus as the Son of God and appreciate who he is as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And because of that, whenever they read the scriptures, it made nothing to them. It didn't bless them. It just became letters. For the scriptures to become powerful to us, 
For the scriptures to have meaning to us, first and foremost, we have to accept that Jesus is the only one that can give eternal life. Until you receive that truth, when you read the Bible, it's never going to make sense to you. And Jesus told them, you read the scriptures thinking that the scriptures will give you eternal life. But these are they. And Jesus was pointing to the scriptures. The scriptures that you are reading, it testifies of me. It testifies of me that I am the holy begotten son that can shed my blood for your atonement. It testifies of me that I am the soon coming king and I'm going to reward everybody according to their works. It testifies of me that I am the Alpha and the Omega and I am in the same class as God. It testifies of me that I was once on this earth and I fulfilled and did the bidding of my Father. It testifies of me because the Bible says that at the mention of my name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. This scripture testify of me. This was the one that David talked of. He talked about me. This was the one that Solomon talked of. They talked about me. This scripture testifies that I am God. The scriptures. So today, we've learned four things. That helps us to understand the reality of Jesus. Or may I say, Jesus is verified. And how do we know Jesus is verified? One, John the Baptist. He testified of Jesus and he called him some titles. He called him the Lamp of God. He called him the Savior. He called him the Light. He called him the one who existed in eternity past. That's who he is. John testified. Christ's works testify. And that's why when you are a Christian, try and read the books of Matthew to John. All those details, those records, they are witnesses of who Christ is. His works. The third thing that testifies of Christ is God the Father. And the last thing that testifies of Christ are the scriptures. And that's why it's important for us to read the scriptures. And now Jesus ended by saying that I don't receive honor from men. That's why I didn't come in my own name. So Jesus was saying that the reason why I had to do this is because I don't receive honor from men. And that's why I didn't come in my own name. And that is why I have subjected myself to witnesses so that I can stand verified. And in the closing verses of this scripture, he talked about Moses judging them. And he says, I will not lay a finger of you upon you if you don't believe the sacred truth because the law already judges you. So what I learned from this scripture is that Christ leaves people to be judged by the law. That's the closing remarks. So the truth is just for you to believe. But if you don't believe it, Moses who wrote the law that will serve as a judgment to you. I will end on this note. It is a great offense to play with the truth as Jesus, the Son of God. 2 John chapter 1, verse 7 to 11. I end with this. 
2 John chapter 1, verse 7 to 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. So anybody who tells you Jesus didn't come in the flesh, the Bible calls him a deceiver. Many. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So an antichrist is not just the son of perdition or the son of evil. The antichrist is also one that denies the existence of Christ in the flesh. Read on. Look to yourselves that we do not lose things which we work for, but we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ. And what's the doctrine of Christ? The doctrine of Christ is Christ is Lord. He came to die for us that we will be saved and we will receive him as our Lord and Savior. Does not have God. So sometimes you see people saying that I believe in God but I don't believe in Christ. If you believe in God and if you don't believe in Christ, the Bible explicitly says that you don't have God. Because for you to have God, you have to have the doctrine of Christ. And let's continue. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So for us to have the Father and the Son, it is antecedent on our reception of who Jesus Christ is to our lives. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. That's harsh, but that's the reality. I hope tonight, before you retire to bed, we will meditate on these truths, which will inform how we will see Christ as of today. How you see him determines whether you will live for him or you will serve him. I pray that today you have a scriptural balanced view on who Christ is. Because it's very important for scriptures to inform you of who Jesus is and not what philosophers, man-made tradition, or any false teaching out there will say. Let scripture be the basis on how you see Christ. And how you see Christ it will determine whether you will serve him or you will live for him. But I have word of prayer. I just want you to pray tonight. I don't know what you heard. But if there's any prayer, I will pray for you. I missed the picturesque scene of this place and the foods and the fun that we will have. If there is anything that I pray that you will take home, it's the seed of God's word that will cause you to see who Christ truly is in your life. It makes a whole difference. It makes a whole difference. I pray that may we all see Christ in the right light. In the right light. Thank you, Lord. Mandosia. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. May we see you in the lenses of Scripture. 
May we see you aright. We thank you, dear Lord, for tonight, as we've heard your word. We believe that indeed you are real. And Father, we pray that as we hold this truth of the doctrine of Christ, may we stand firm and may we stand strong. May Daniel chapter 11 verse 32 be fulfilled in our lives. They that know God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. I pray strength for people listening. I pray stability for people listening. And I pray that may they be a candidate of notable and great feats as a result of knowing you in an inexperiential way. Holy Spirit, reveal Christ to us through your people. Reveal Christ to us through your people. And reveal Christ to us that we can be change agents and positive influencers of our society. In Jesus' name, amen.